Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, August 6th, 2019, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We will be in Arkansas for the next two Tuesdays, so our next show after tonight will be on August 27th. Well, for years now, after the completion of the harmonic convergence of August 17, 2012, a 25-year cycle, there has been several upgrades from activations to the planetary crystal grid. Part of these upgrades can be felt from the acceleration of time and timeline shifts experienced by many starseeds. It's all about crystals that hold and transmit cosmic downloads and uploads from the Earth to every living form on the planet. Our guest for tonight, Leela Hutchison, is one of the very first explorers to enter the mysterious giant selenite caves in Nica, Chihuahua, Mexico, in January 2001. These crystals are the largest ever discovered on Earth and were only found in April of 2000. They're made from gypsum, not quartz, yet work together for transmitting and grounding information. For 18 years, Leela's research has been about a mysterious connection between Gaia's inner Earth crystals and a galactic message to starseeds awakening on Earth. This message, she believes, is the central mission for the starseeds who have returned to Earth. This mission is about completing what was started eons ago on a very personal Earth journey. This mission is the continuing evolution of human species evolving into galactic humans through the assistance of our starseed families. We are never alone, and they are always here watching over us. These giant selenite crystals have now been featured in two documentaries produced by the National Geographic Channel seven years after Leela became one of the very first explorers to enter the deadly caves in 2001. You can check out her website, thecrystalgiants.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for Leela. We have an online starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Due to a recent flood of requests for readings, there is now up to a 16-week wait for the Stage 1s, and Lavendar is now booking January and asks that her repeat clients book six months ahead, especially for solar returns, and new clients please hold off until we can get caught up. 
And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And remember, if you want the stage two interpretation of your solar return chart, you need to order now six months ahead to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because our waiting lists are overflowing. But this is a wonderful thing, though, because it shows an ever-increasing number of starseeds waking up and joining a much larger community of light that covers the globe. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia. Let me find you on the switchboard. I'd like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful starseed news. <laughs> Good evening, Arya. My, there it is. Here it comes. <laughs> Well, that just assures we're going to have some fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you today. It's the 6th of August. We have Earth inside of a stream of solar wind flowing from a coronal hole, and there's a mysterious thing that happened with the auroras over New Zealand. Auroras are usually green. However, when a geomagnetic storm crested over New Zealand uh, yesterday, a completely different color filled the sky. An amazing, brilliant, vivid, red, red, red aurora over New Zealand. They really don't know why. They think that it may have to do with the oxygen in the atmosphere, etc., and so on, but no one is really sure. Red skies over New Zealand. And there are seven asteroids that are headed for Earth this August. NASA has detected a total of seven headed for Earth this month, and according to the Agency Center for Near-Earth Object Studies, the biggest asteroid from the group is five times taller than the Statue of Liberty. The first asteroid's already been by. It came by on the 1st of August, traveling at a speed of 10,400 miles per hour, and trailing behind is asteroid 2006 QQ23. This is the biggest one that will approach, and it will happen on August 10th, it has a velocity of 10,400 miles per hour. It's expected to pass by at 0 .04 astronomical units uh, during its flyby. The third asteroid will come in August on the 12th. It's about 820 feet long. Now, this one's going really fast, 18,250 miles per hour. It will pass at 0 0.04 astronomical units which is about 4 million miles away. But then the closest asteroid approach will come on the 28th of August with a very high velocity and a lunar distance of 2.7. Now, that's a lunar distance as opposed to astronomical unit, and a lunar distance of 2.7, well, that's pretty darn close. And the Crab Nebula has been blasting Earth with highest energy photons ever recorded. Talk about cosmic waves. Well, astronomers are using the Tibet AS Gamma experiment, and they've discovered the highest energy light ever measured from an astrophysical source. Photons streaming from the Crab Nebula were recently measured at well over 100 tera electron volts. Now, that's a trillion electron volts, or some 10 times the maximum energy that the Large Hadron Collider sees when it slams particles together. Now, scientists think this is originating from a pulsar deep inside the heart of the Crab Nebula, which crackles in low-energy radio waves. It also blasts out high-energy gamma and X-rays and shines at visible length, wa length wavelengths in between. So 
cosmic radiation incoming, highest energy light ever measured from an astrophysical source. Well, let's take a look at our Earth Changes Department. A lot going on. We have more than 10 inches of rain that brought flooding to eastern Kansas. Uh, Several rounds of overnight thunderstorms inundated parts of eastern Kansas early Thursday, according to the National Weather Service. Ten inches of rain or more fell along a a line that stretched from Jefferson County through Douglas and Franklin and Anderson counties. Ten inches of rain. Wow. Kansas was flooded. And Japan, uh, off the coast of Fukushima, was also rocked again by a 6.2 magnitude quake on Sunday, the 4th of August. There was an earthquake um, off the coast of Vanuatu, uh, 6.6, happened on the 31st of uh, July, last day of July since our last uh, program, and uh, there was no tsunami warning with that one. However... Um, There was a tsunami warning. In fact, there was a 10-foot-high tsunami that followed a seven-magnitude quake that was off the coast of Indonesia on last Friday. A 10-foot tsunami uh, went with that uh, seven-point quake. And off the coast of Tonga, there was a 6.1 quake, and a 6.8 earthquake struck off the coast of central Chile. Uh, That is... um, it caused eruption-like, uh, the eruption, excuse me, caused quake-like ground movements that swayed walls and furniture. So that was pretty good-sized, 6.8. And uh, Papua New Guinea, uh, the Ulawan vulca- volcano has erupted again. That has a huge ash column rising to 63,000 feet. And in the northern Kuril Islands of Russia, they have a volcano erupting again this week. Uh, the Popocatapelo volcano is erupting in Mexico. They've had over 100 explosions carrying water, gas, light amount of ashes uh, that's emanating. There were five moderate explosions on Thursday with that volcano. And uh, Eurasia's uh, biggest volcano is also spewing ash. That's located in Kamchatka, Russia. That happened uh, just uh, last Tuesday, actually, or last Wednesday. That has a column of ash at 5,500 meters. Lots of uh, earthquake and volcanic activity. You will note that all of these quakes are good-sized, six and over, one up to seven, one 6.8. Lots of earthquake activity. And here's something that we ought to think about. They've discovered water in Hawaii's uh, Kilauea volcano. This is the first time in recorded history that they've discovered a pond of water inside the summit crater of Hawaii's Kilauea volcano. This is a development that could signal a, signal a shift to more, a more explosive phase for future eruptions. Uh, heat and water, steam explosions. Researchers found the water last Thursday. It's a concerning find. They're keeping an eye on that. Never before found. Well, uh, also I want to say one other volcano we had was... Uh, a volcano that erupted on Sumatra. Uh, Indonesian authorities issued a flight warning because Mount Karasini volcano erupted last Wednesday. It's spewing ash into the air as well. You know, they talk a lot about uh, global warming being caused by man-made results, but think about the many volcanoes that are erupting across the planet filling the skies with ash. It's got to have some effect on the climate. Now, from heat to cold, let's talk about Minnesota. 
typically low temperatures in International Falls, Minnesota. Now, you all know how cold it is up there. But in this time of year, at this time of year, temperatures are around the mid-50s. I mean, we're roasting in the south. But in International Falls, it runs in the mid-50s this time of year. Now, uh, a new daily low temperature was set in International Falls last week. The mercury dipped to 37 degrees. They broke the record of 38 degrees, which was set way back in 1898. It was nearly freezing in uh, August in International Falls. Wow. So from heat to cold. Now in Norway, uh, they have had some uh, floods and uh, landslides from heavy rain. They had 150 people that were evacuated after this heavy rain. Uh, they said that uh, it, how many was 33 millimeters of rain fell in one hour. So they have been inundated. We had a lot of floods across the planet. And listen to this. Lightning. A lot of lightning strikes all across the planet. They're on the increase. Now, in Iceland, lightning has been an uncommon phenomenon. But recently, lightning, uh, Iceland has been inundated with lightning. Uh, since last weekend, the reported strikes came up to a total of 1,818 lightning strikes in 24 hours. Wow. That is the greatest recorded number of lightning strikes since they began measuring them in Iceland. 1,800-plus lightning strikes, ground strikes, in 24 hours. That must have been quite the show in the sky, not to mention very, very loud with the thunder. All right, well, that's it for Earth Changes. That's enough. Let's everybody take a breath. And let's go to the, oh, my God, would somebody do something department. Let's take a look <laughs> at what's going on with science. And I want to thank all of our Starseed readers for contributing to this segment. You all helped. Um, let's start out with AT&T, what they're doing. AT&T has connected uh, six-foot-tall retail robots to 5G. Well, what? <laughs> Could six-foot-tall, wirelessly connected robots in grocery stores be one of the first viable 5G uses? Well, AT&T thinks it's going to be. And its foundry in Plano, Texas, the service provider is working with robot manufacturer Badger Technologies to test robots in a 5G and multi-access edge computing environment. That's really a word. They have an acronym for that. Multi-access edge computing environment, MEC. So that's for your memory banks. Okay, there's something new out there. Anyway, Badger already operates about 500 retail robots at grocery stores in the United States, specifically with the Dutch retailer that operates various grocery brands in the U.S. You're going to recognize some of these names, Food Lion, Giant Martins, and Stop and Shop. Now, two of these various companies have deployed the robots in their stores in the northeast of the U.S. Now, what these robots do is they roam the aisles of grocery stores, checking for spills and other trip and fall hazards, and they monitor inventory levels. And because the robots have startled some shoppers, Badger fitted them out with googly eyes and a little smile. Now, the data that the robots collect is processed by computers inside the robots, and sometimes data is sent outside of the store for processing in the cloud. Now, in addition to using Wi-Fi currently, the robot trial is to prove the benefits of 5G 
for robotics and other applications that require higher speeds than we can attain with Wi-Fi. For things that consume vast amounts of data, 5G, they tell us, is going to be better connectivity. And while these robots can move around at very fast speeds, at six foot four inches tall, developers are cautious about people's safe maneuverability around the bots. And there are pictures on the Internet with these tall, tower-like things with painted-on smiles and odd eyes scanning and uh, rolling up and down the aisles. Yikes. Well, we've talked about this before. This is going to sound familiar. But there's a new space startup that's going to launch thousands of satellite cell towers that connect to the average cell phone. Um, You've heard about the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that launched uh, to the International Space Station last week <clears throat> that carried a tiny package that would eventually lead to smartphone that you have in your pocket getting cell service from space. Now, if it works, this is going to be a precursor to a giant constellation of thousands upon thousands of mini satellites that function as cell towers circulating all over the globe. This particular package is the product of a startup company called Ubiquitalink. It's the latest company to propose putting a mega constellation of satellites into low orbit above Earth as if there are not enough. We have another company lined up to pollute the upper atmosphere. Can you believe this? You know, these are other companies, SpaceX, OneWeb, Amazon, but unlike those companies, Ubiquitalink says that it's not hoping to beam specialized Internet connections from space or whatever else in God's name they plan on beaming to us and not telling us about. Instead, this company is solely focused on cell phone service with the goal of placing small satellites into orbit that any mobile phone can connect to seamlessly without any changes being made to the phones themselves. The co-founder of Ubiquilink said there are 5.2 billion cell phone users on the planet. We're going to turn all their phones into satellite phones, end quote. Hmm. Moving right along, what can go wrong? Scientists create first human hybrid monkey embryo in China. Uh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Let's try this again. Hybrid human monkey. Hybrid human monkey. <laughs> this blows my mind so much I can't even read it, guys. Okay. Scientists have successfully formed a hybrid human monkey embryo. They made one. The, experience, the experiment took place in China to avoid legal issues. Thank you, China. Researchers have spliced together the genes of monkeys and humans to grow human cells, actually to grow human cells inside of a monkey to make a modified monkey that has human cells. The creature could have feasibly grown. It could have been born. It could have become a monkey-human. But scientists decided to abort the process for now. The team was made up of members of the Salk Institute in the United States. And you guys get this. Just get this. The Mercia Catholic University. What? The Catholics are into genetic engineering? Well, they are, apparently, because those are the two. 
the Salk Institute, and the Mercia Catholic University genetically modified the monkey embryos. What they did was they deactivated the genes that form organs, and then they replaced the, these monkey genes, and they replaced them with human stem cells. They expect that one day these hybrid-grown organs will be transplanted into humans. Now, we had this same article last week. As you will remember, scientists in Japan are developing human rat chimeras for the same purpose in a new biotech arms race. Project collaborators hailed the experiment as very promising. And France is in the space race. They have announced their plans to launch fearsome satellites armed with powerful lasers into space. Sounds like something out of a James Bond flick, but France is going to launch satellites armed with powerful lasers into space. The French defense minister said that the creation of a new French space command announced by the president was central to a strategy to bolster defense capabilities rather than for offensive attacks. She said, we reserve the right to be able to respond with the use of powerful lasers deployed from our satellites or from patrolling nanosatellites. She said the many satellites that will patrol space will be activated in 2023 are fearsome little detectors. The French president's desire to create a space command followed U.S. President Donald Trump's plan to usher in a new space force that will form the sixth branch of the U.S. military by 2020. French decided to strengthen defense capacities in space when a Russian satellite last year attempted to intercept transmissions from a Franco-Italian satellite used by both countries for secure communications in what France called an act of espionage. Well, physicist Albert Einstein, who died in 1955, made an entreaty to President Franklin Roosevelt because he helped lay the groundwork for the creation of the atomic bomb. He was famously worried about the potential for science and technology to be used in ways catastrophic to the future of humanity. In later life, Einstein became a strong advocate of peaceful cooperation between nations, a possibility he saw threatened by changes in the social fabric already wrought by technological advances. Now bear in mind, Albert Einstein crossed over in 1955, and he wrote a letter to his friend, psychiatrist Otto Julius Berger, in 1948, saying, quote, I believe that the abominable deterioration of ethical standards stems primarily from the mechanization and depersonalization of our lives, a disastrous byproduct of science and technology. He went on to say, There lies before us, if we choose, continued progress in happiness, knowledge, and wisdom. Shall we instead choose death because we cannot forget our quarrels? We appeal as human beings to human beings. Remember your humanity and forget the rest. End quote. Einstein's forebodings about scientific advancement devoid of human values would appear to be a prophecy. For he also said, quote, I fear the day that technology will surpass 
our human interaction. The world will have a generation of idiots, end quote. Wow. (laughs) Tell it like it is, Albert. Yeah, tell it like it is, Albert. And you know, wow, it just seems like the die was cast a very long time ago, in the mid-century last, with the development and advancement of science. Many very intelligent and thoughtful people saw where this was going. I am asking, where are the intelligent and thoughtful people today to put the brakes on all of the insanity that we see hurtling forward so very fast with no protections in place, no restraints? So come on, Starseed. (laughs) It's time to shine and practice the wonderful work of light that you do. Never before have our people here have been so very, very needed. Many blessings to each and every one of you, and much love from my heart to yours. We'll catch each other again on the other side of our uh, Starseed adventures coming up next week, right, Ariel? Um, and next August 27th. Oh, that's it? Yeah, the we're, August off 27th. we're off for Is the next it? two weeks. Oh, okay, I'm going to say, wait a minute, yeah. no, 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 I thought, okay, great. We will yeah, be back write it, write it down, time. because I'd hate for you to show up all by yourself. Um, I, knowing me, sometimes <laughs> that's just exactly what I would do. You all must laugh at me sometimes. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, I promise yeah, I won't. Next two weeks, no show. There's no fun showing August up at a party alone, so I'll wait till the 20th, yes. and I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> okay, good night, everybody. Right. Thanks a lot, Ariel. Thanks so much, Anastasia. Great job. A lot of food for thought there. I'll talk to you um, when we get back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Now um, I'll get Lavendar's mic open and our special guest, Leela Hutchison. Get your mic open. Hey, Leela, welcome to the show. Hey, Ariel, thank you for having me. It's nice to be here tonight on Blog Talk Radio, Starseed Radio Hotline. How are you? Yeah, we're doing great. We're doing great. Getting ready for another um, big quest to Arkansas next week. So um, Exciting. Yeah, yeah, next Friday. It, I mean, a week from Friday it starts. So, Lavendar, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, take it away. Well, Leela, I really appreciate you coming and being on our show tonight, and I know you have a lot to say. So just start out by by saying, you know, some of your experiences. And, and one of the things that I want to really ask you about, when you were inside those caves down in Mexico, um, it looks like that some samples were taken and, and finding some bacteria or some things that were like alien in form. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what they found in the water? Sure. Yeah, let me jump right in. Um, let's start with this. I, I do want to say to all the listeners, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, I have been part of um, the Crystal Quest since the very beginning, and I wanted to share this with your listeners and how this has empowered my Starseed mission. Um it began in October of 2012, and I can say that those I've been to four. It will be, I think, four. This will be the fifth one coming up in November for me, and how impactful that these star quests have been to my mission here 
and my journey. So I want to thank you for that. And just how it's illuminated a lot of the questions I've had and coming up with answers in the last 18 years of the research I've done. So for those of you who have just have never heard about these giant crystals, I'll start from the beginning. As you can see as part of the description tonight, I was the first person and on an exploration team to enter the giant crystal caves in January of 2001. Before that, it was just basically the miners who had popped a hole in bedrock into this silver mine located a thousand feet below the Earth's surface in Nicachuala, Mexico. This is a 200-year-old working mine that began literally by taking an axe to a stream of water and starting to dig as they found rivulets of silver in the in the streams of um, near Nica. So this is how it began 200 years ago, and they have dug down to about 2,600 feet. And where these crystals were found were literally in holes, if you want to call it like Swiss cheese. They were pockets of air inside the bedrock. So how this all began was, and how these are created, was a very long time ago, there was an inlet sea of water. It was called the Sea of Thetis millions of years ago. And as climate had begun to change and reorganize itself, these waters started to distill itself just like a, a filter, and all the water went below ground. And as history would happen, as though we cannot see it, geological time in history, there were shifts in the tectonic plates that broke and pinched, actually cracks and fissures of magma that were bubbling up from the mantle into a lower level of um, from the core of the mantle to the upper crust. And what this did created a kind of like a Bunsen burner. So the magma, there was a pinch of magma underneath this massive aquifer that's below the ground in the Chihuahuan Desert that covers over 200,000 square miles of desert, which it comprises of most of northern Mexico, parts of Western Texas, southern New Mexico, and eastern Arizona. This is a massive, massive desert. So when this Bunsen burner started to heat up the aquifer, the cracks and fissures in the bedrock started to allow the hydrothermal exchange of chemicals to rise up and create these pockets of crystals that were flooded with water. And it wasn't until 1970 that the mine had created these turbines of engines that could deflood or dewater the mine so that they could access the minerals of lead, zinc, and silver. Still, after years and years, 30 or so years of steaming pockets of humidity, it wasn't until April of 2000 that two miners had gone in at the exact spot that they were told to punch a hole in the bedrock. And what astonished them was instead of finding a vein of lead, zinc, and silver, they found giant pylons the size and height of about 40 feet tall and had been there in a 100% humidity and growing 
and about uh, 136 degrees Fahrenheit. So this is how the journey began. This is how the story began. And these now have become the world's largest planetary crystals ever discovered on Earth. Nine months later, I was asked to be a part of the first exploration team to enter those deadly caves in January 23rd of 2001. And now, 18 years later, there's much we know about it. So let me address what you've asked about, Lavender, which is uh, with Dr. Penelope Boston two years ago. Oh, let me say this, too. You know, this is my fourth interview with you about these pylons that have so much interest, have garnered so much interest in the world. Our first time was in October of 2010, and then again in 2014 uh, when I wrote my first book, and then I re-edited the book with rare images in September of 2016, and here we are now in August of 2019. Can you believe that? (laughs) That's something, isn't it? That's called progression. Wow. And more empowerment, that's for sure. So since since I've been on your show in September of 2016, um, my I think I've taken a rocket missile to and a new trajectory of I think I've been all over the place and back lecturing about these crystals and showing these rare images since I've been on your show, Lavender. But one of the things I did, and I mentioned to you in the 2017 um, um, interview with Dr. Penelope Boston was that she is the director of astrobiology and oversees over 650 scientists across the nation. And this is a new emerging field of technology, astrobiology. It's a new science. And basically this is the study of microbes that exist in hostile environments, environments whether it's on planet Earth or on exoplanets. And the main purpose of this is to decide and to determine what microbes can exist on Mars and fissures in the bedrock. You see, microbes are inherently highly intelligent because they are encoded to survive. And so upon my meeting with Dr. Boston, which was very exciting, as she was the only other woman I knew at the time in 2008 to go into the caves and she had come back with information that basically had said this. They, there were bub- bubbles of water inside the crystals. And when they extracted this water, they found these microbes were living for 60,000 years inside these pylons. And what they determined was that there was nothing even remotely close on planet Earth in a database that resembled these microbes. They were truly alien microbes. So, again, more mysteries and questions about, well, how did these microbes get into these pylons? And how they stayed alive was maintaining their, their life force through what's called chemosynthesis. Instead of phytosynthesis, chemosynthesis was that they ate the minerals and the metals from the walls Micro micro particles that fed them and kept them alive for sixty thousand years. Wow. Yeah, the fact that they're alien, <laughs> you know, begs the question of: All right, did 
planet Earth get hit with a comet? Was it a star? Was it other microbes? What what came here? What alien presence came here through what means? Did they enter our atmosphere through water? And how many other of these alien microbes might be lurking around inside the Earth that we don't know anything about? And was this truly the beginning of life and the evolution here? And how many times has this happened? Well, you know, uh, I just saw on 60 Minutes on Sunday, they were talking about a two-mile mine in South Africa, a gold mine. And some scientists Mm -hmm. went down there and cracked the the, um, earth open and took some water out and found that the water was one billion years old with microbes. Wow. That just happened on 60 Minutes this past Sunday, yeah. One billion year old microbes. Yeah. So they they call that so that's the process of subduction. So apparently, what's been happening for eons is that subductions is like taking water and landmass, like cake batter, and folding it over each other over and over and over. Subduction. So where one tectonic plate submerges below another, and just keeps circling or circulating like that. So that's no surprise to me that they would find something like that. One billion years old. Well, that should be yeah. 60,000. But I'm interesting to know if those microbes a billion years old are alien-like as they were in NICA. Well, these were still alive, in, like what you described. These were alive. They weren't dead. They were still alive after a billion years wow. old. Incredible. Yeah, it's a re- the fact it's a re- that... It's a recent discovery. You might go on 60 Minutes on their website and, and look at it. Yeah, the fact that these are, that they survived through intense heat yeah. of 136 degrees Fahrenheit is what is astonishing these scientists to look at this. They They want to know how these microbes can live in extreme environments. So if they found a billion years old microbes two miles below, I wonder what kind of environment that was. Was it cold and dark? Was it hot? Was it, it near was, thermal vents? It was near thermal. It was 120 degrees. Wow. Wow. Well, there you they go. Had to flush, they had to flush cold water for them to walk in before they could go and extract it from the rocks because it was so hot. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, so, you know, this also goes along with in in all of this time and journey of, of 18 years of looking into these mysteries. I, I, you know, I've come up with some theories and I'd like to share them with you. Okay. And it is, it is my belief that these clusters of selenite crystals exist in many places inside the earth. And in fact, Dr. Boston alluded to me that in 2010, which was their second expedition into those caves, that they knew without a doubt that there were more crystals in various pockets beneath that thousand foot marker expanded into the Sierra Madre mountains. So, 
just taking that, I believe that these selenite crystals, especially those pylons, are encoded with information, Lavender, that are here to help us evolve our consciousness. And as Ariel introduced to me this earlier and described what we were going to talk about a little bit tonight was that I believe that many of us of our star seeds here are here to finish something that we started a long time ago. And that we're here to to hear and accelerate this, right? To evolve the consciousness of the planet so that we become part of a galactic society is what I'd like to say about it, that we enter another phase of our evolution as humans and we begin to really understand what harmony and peace and what real creativity can be like instead of all the blockages and the how much we've been messed with and held back with our DNA. Let me ask you, Leela, when you in these eighteen years and you've been lecturing and taking this story to different places, what kind of feedback do you get? You get do you get people that are scoffers and and don't believe it, or do you have a lot of people that you activate and they start believing right away? Tell us about the people that you have met in these 18 years of, of this discovery. Well, it's been it's been brutal and it's been beautiful. When I first started in 2001, I I wasn't holding much power. wasn't I didn't know what I had in my hands and why I had the experience. So in the beginning. It turned out to be mostly, because of my work as a healer, it was mostly some thoughts and ideas that were metaphysical. And so what was drawn to me were like flies or moths to a flame, were very very many interested uh, New Age uh, and metaphysical seekers who started to understand they had worked with crystal mostly quartz crystal and it wasn't until all this education that i brought to light around selenite that now when i teach and present at some of the more evolved lectures not the scientific ones but the more evolved of science and metaphysics that almost every person has a piece, owns a piece of selenite and is working with it, whether with the earth grids or their own personal healing or with others. So the journey in 18 years, the people have been, they weren't, they were astonished and in in disbelievers, many of them, that these clusters of massive pylons that were 550,000 years existed, really existed. They thought I was using... um, a software program to enhance this until we were able to get the images out and show those at presentations. But I'm talking about the people on the internet and who would contact me. And then in 2005, I decided to, uh, that I needed to educate myself a little more about crystals and gems. And instead of going the geological route, taking courses in geology, I decided to go to a gemology school. It's an institute one of the best ones and most prestigious ones in the world. We have offices in London and Hong Kong and Geneva, New York, 
all sorts of places. And Gemological Institute of America is where I became a graduate gemologist so that it gave me some kind of a pedigree, something, not a pedigree, but a degree, some, um, I guess you would say, authenticity to what I was trying to speak to and share, which is still a lot of questions. So for many years, they didn't really even know how those crystals form. It took them until... 2008 and 10 to start to bring scientists in there, McLavender, to, to understand what it was that was creating these crystals. They really didn't understand how it happened, and now we know. So in 2005, I I got my graduate uh, degree in this uh, institute for gemology, and then I started to teach and be invited into mineral societies, uh, the Explorers Club. And in the last couple of years since I was on your show, um, I've been invited to speak at the Los Angeles Museum of Natural History in September 2016, uh, twice at the American Gem Trade Association, which is the largest gem and mineral, mineral show and probably in the world, held in Tucson in February of each year. There's been um, a presentation to the Smithsonian Institute in February of 2018 of the rare uh, images and slides that I had as an earliest explorer of these crystals. And also, I think in this year, March of this year, I was at the Ross Perot Museum in Dallas presenting this information to the Mineral Association of Dallas and the Women's Jewelry Association of the Greater Dallas Area. So... What's happened is my work's kind of bifurcated. It's been mostly scientific um, audiences in the last two years, so there hasn't been any theories that they've been interested in hearing about these crystals. They're interested certainly in the properties of selenite. Some own it as collectors, some, and there were some people in the audiences that use them personally, and they are healers but mostly who came to see that were uh, the scientific community. The problem with that is, is that's only one part of the story. And the other part of the story is, I believe, in the last 18 years, is really now it's time to combine all of this, really come out and bring it out what I think and believe they are. And I believe that these pylons are major transmitters of information, transmitters and receivers, and that they're holding humongous amounts of data and programs for us and what that means is I think they have we have a uh, ability to shift the timelines we have the ability to access these codes through our frequency as starseeds and I think they're here to assist us especially the starseeds in accessing frequencies to help us evolve our humanity as as Anastasia said it earlier, we sure need it. If we, we need a star seeds to really come on board, we are in so much trouble. And maybe this is the dark before the light. I don't know. Lavender, what do you think? Well, as you were talking, I could see you down there, and I could see you touching the crystals, and at that moment they downloaded the information to you because they knew they couldn't leave what they were doing. So they downloaded the information into you, Leela. So some of it. it some of it has been downloaded already, but there's more. There's more that you're going to write and more you're going to put together. 
because it's in your DNA to do so. I believe that. I think, um, you know, I've got the second book I'm beginning to write. Uh, it's called The Mysteries of uh, the Chihuahuan Desert because there's so much paranormal and other oddities that have happened in that Chihuahuan Desert. But still, this is missing the mark. I think the real book has really got to be the messages of the selenite crystals. I think and so, that's too. that's where Ab- the real information is. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, you know, as Cersei's... I, I think, Leela, you've heard me talk about some of the computers that have been placed inside the planet that are monitoring devices that have to do with the crystal grid and the environment and the, the tilting of the axes and all that. There's major ET computers that have been placed here, and they're connected mm-hmm. to crystal grids. So mm-hmm. yeah. think about that when you get ready to download. Yeah. I truly do believe that. And I know that the star seeds are definitely involved in this all over the planet and more and more are awakening to it. Definitely. Um, I want to talk about some of the um, kind of the paranormal stuff. There's that. And I want to see what your take on is on this, since this is kind of a spontaneous invitation to come and speak. I'm hoping this will continue to be more of a conversation that, we can share with all your listeners today. But my take on this um, after 18 years is what I'm seeing is I'm wondering what there are, there have been several UFO crash retrievals, Lavender, that have been on the U.S. and Mexico borders. One of the most famous is outside of the Presidio, Texas, called Mexico's Roswell. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Yes, we had some. But we it, had some. We had some men come on and talk about that. That was involved in it in one of our shows. Yeah. Oh, that's great. His name was was it Ruben Uriarte and Noe Torres? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Ruben is a really good friend of mine. He is the director of Northern California Mutual UFO Network, and he and his collaborator Noe Torres, who lives in McAllen, Texas did a lot of research on this and I think this is pretty fascinating and for a lot of for a lot of reasons but let me let me get to what I think my theory is there's something that's bringing these UFOs and um, alien deaths into the airwaves in the Chihuahuan Desert and we know about the Marfa lights People have seen a lot of floating lights out there in the in the distance in the mountains from um, the viewing deck area in Marfa. Um, there's been the zone of silence where there's a huge body of magnetite that's in and below the uh, the rocks there, uh, and that's just southeast of Nicaragua, Mexico. And in this zone of silence, there is absolutely no radio. TV, satellite, any kind of communications that that exist there. There's there's no cell coverage. There's no phone service, and it's um, it's an anomalous uh, area, which means it keeps moving around. It kind of pulses around. It doesn't relocate somewhere else. It's just this huge blob, if you want to think of it, that's above it, just kind of in in it, kind of moves around in this area. So it's my thinking and contemplation about this that somehow 
those giant clusters of pylons beneath the Earth's surface could be a beacon. Maybe they send out some kind of frequency and sensor of information that is being picked up by um, alien life force and discs that are here and visiting us all the time and are coming into the Chihuahuan Desert. There is a uh, Northern Mexico mutual UFO network. Um, they have many, many people that have cited all kinds of strange things. There's been cattle mutilations. They found, uh, I think they found a sheep at the top of a tree in Northern Mexico. So there's all kinds of strange things happening there. The problem is, it's too dangerous for me to go back to Mexico to really interview some of these people. So I have had a little difficulty in getting out the information that I want to and learning more about some of these sightings. But there are substantiated uh, UFO retrieval crashes, such as Mexico's Roswell, where this disc was coming in over Galveston, moving at a very high uh, speed. I think uh, I think it was moving at, at as fast as seventy five thousand miles an hour, and it wow. it made a right angle turn, and intersected a single prop engine airplane coming out of El Paso at twelve thirty midnight, and hit that airplane, and then they both crashed in the desert. And what happened was the Mexican um, military was sent out by the government to see what had happened. And at Fort Bliss, Texas, um, they were also alerted to send out a um, a reconnaissance airplane to fly over the area. And the Mexican military were there to bring out a cargo flatbed and to retrieve the aircraft that was crashed there, the flying disc. But what they didn't anticipate, which is what the U.S. military did in the reconnaissance flying over, is that what they saw were 20, I believe, 27 Mexican military personnel that were dead at the site. So something was released from that craft, and this has all been documented and yet it's been classified. And isn't this interesting? There was a leak in this several, like maybe 20 years later, it was called the Deneb Report. Lavender, isn't that interesting? Because that is, Deneb is one of the stars in the constellation of Cygnus. And Cygnus opens up a whole new download of what I believe is going on with these crystals as well. So I can get into that in a minute. But I, if you've had Ruben on there, then you know how fascinating this case is. So basically the disc was stolen from the Mexican military government. The U.S. took over and retrieved that disc, that crashed disc, and took it. They don't know for sure. It could have been to Wright's, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base or it could have been taken to Atlanta to the CDC. Right now, who knows? We don't know what happened to that. And then they came in with a suitcase bomb to clear out what would what was ever there. And so it was like a it was a cobalt a cobalt fifty seven 
uh, mini atomic bomb that was like a suitcase, and they took it into the area and exploded that so that it would kill whatever was in the bacteria, the microbes, or whatever you want to call it, and then came in and cleared out every single evidence, every little piece of evidence that was in that area. And that was 1976. Wow. So what's the soil like there? Is it still radioactive? Probably. I don't know. I mean, we, I mean, nobody's been there to test it since then. It's like it's been moved on, you know. Like so many things that we learn about, we only get a piece of it, and then we don't get to hear the follow-up anymore. Have you noticed that in the news? You get oh, somebody yeah. that's apprehended, but nothing, nothing is ever told of the whole timeline ever again. Yeah. Yeah. So what's bringing, so the question, it begs the question again, who's watching us? Who's coming into our airways? Why is the Chihuahua Desert loaded with UFO activity? Like so many other places, people will tell us and report to us. What's bringing them into the area? Could it be a silent, something that we can't hear? Some frequency that could be through the giant selenite clusters that are under the earth? Could it be all the water that was there? Is that what attracts them? How about the magnetite? Could that also be a possibility? How about so I all, find the, these things. all the above, Leela? All the above. Everything you've everything you've mentioned makes a tapestry of why they come. Mhm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Really fascinating. So tell me what you're what are you gonna do now with this story and and how are you gonna go forward with your work? Uh, you know, to to expand what and get in a, in a position where you're allowed to to download and write what the crystals downloaded into your body. Because I feel like that you need a safe place to write. You really do. You need to get out yeah, of California. Yeah, safe place. Yeah, you need to get out of California and go go to the mountains or go to the ocean or go someplace and and just simply sit down and. And and just release all this that's in your body because they placed it in your body. I can feel it from here. I believe you, Lavendar. Um, you know, I think. I think again. You know, this. I know they're prompting me to write the second book, but I haven't been able to. I feel like it's still a step down. It's not. It's not what Star Seeds. If I want to write for the Star Seeds. I don't want to write for, I don't want to play it safe anymore. I, I, that's over. I, I don't need to do the scientific thing. I've, I've gone as far as I can. I, I consider what happened with the Smithsonian Institute last year and that presentation is top honors. Um, I think these crystal quests that I've been to and reclaiming the power has been, my power has been part of that, that heavily influenced my path and allowed me to do that. That no longer is of interest to me is to present this to the scientific community anymore. I think at this time it is it's it's right on time for me to begin to write so I don't know um I want to position myself to do it. I can feel it. I've had some very potent dreams in the last few nights it's uh that's activating me uh to shed this old skin. I believe in these old beliefs and how I need to play it safe 
with this information and just move forward now and write these messages of selenite. Well, well you're right. We'll... Hopefully somebody will come forward for for you and offer you a cabin and, and give you some financial assistance so that you can complete your mission. So I'm saying to you starseeds out there that are listening to Leela, if you have a cabin, if you have a plane ticket, if you have something that you want to, to contribute to Leela, then let us know. And and give your website so people can contact you. Oh, thank you so much. So my the way to contact me is um, if for a personal email is Leela's Gems L E E L A S Gems G E M S one word at yahoo.com. You can send me a personal email and I do pick up all that. I also have my phone number. You can call me at four one five eight four seven zero one four one. And my website, which um, <laughs> badly needs uh, uh, an upgrade, is called thecrystalgiants.com. And you can also find my work on Facebook. I have a couple of pages. One is called the Nika um, Caves, and the other one is called the Giant Crystals. But you can find it under Leela Hutchison for both of those pages, I believe, in the, or the Nika Caves. And one is for my book and all the research that I've done on the journey into the giant selenite crystal caves of Mexico. That title of that book can be found on Amazon.com. And um, another thing is for anybody that's living in the eastern part of the United States, uh, there's going to be a conference on uh, an energy symposium on energy, frequency, pyramids, and that's going to happen in Nashville on the 1st of November, and I've been invited to speak there. So if you're in the area, there will be more information. You can write to me. We're just in the process of uh, finalizing the conference now. And then again, I'll be at the on the 14th or 15th of November, I will be with you, Lavendar, in Arkansas for oh, the good. Star Crest. And you'll have a lot of things yeah. to, to tell us because you'll just come right out of Nashville. Wow. Yeah, I'll come out of Nashville with that. And also, um, I do have um, I have a hydrosol. That, in fact, as, as people are looking at the Blog Talk uh, Starseed Radio website, you'll see that Ariel loaded it up with a bunch of um, images there. And you'll see one of them is a, um, a big crystal vessel filled with uh, spring water and the rhizome of spikenard. And this was the creation of this hydrosol called Selignite that I made. And that's available for people to purchase. And it's good for really helping somebody drop down uh, into meditation. It's a quick drop down um, to quiet the mind. And believe it or not, um, selenite is a wonderful scrying tool, so to speak. If you sit with it in your lap and rub it, actually, like with between your second finger, your index finger and your thumb, while you're meditating, messages can be downloaded. Definitely. Wow. It's definitely a stone of the new consciousness. It was it's here. It emerged after two thousand for us. And there's a reason for it. It's really here. It's it's for our ascension. Help us to accelerate the ascension, which is really human liberation, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that yes. be what uh it's about yeah. Yeah. absolutely so at this time i'd like to uh 
say to you, thank you so much for for coming on our show tonight, and I'm really looking forward to um, the next work that you're going to be doing on the planet. And if there's anything that any of us starseeds can help you with, just never hesitate to ask us because we're all part of a starseed team that's going to go forward with this wonderful, wonderful information that's coming in, in many forms, many forms. And mm-hmm. thank you for having the time to come on and have a coded conversation with me. And I'd like to pass you over to Ariel at this time. So, Ariel, thank you, take Lavender. It okay, bye. Bye bye. Okay. Wow. Wow. You, I mean, there there is so much more that 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 you had to. Uh, to tell us uh, this time, I mean, had no idea about uh, some of the things that you brought up. So, uh, thanks for that. Uh, and right now, um, do you have a few minutes in case someone wants to ask you a question? Oh, I do. You know, Ariel, it's just time. You know, I've been I've been cloaking a lot of this information for years and years and years, and I've done it for protection and just you know everything that's happened to me again when you when you're playing with crystal as you know it amplifies the field and a lot you know it's like in the darkness so a lot of moths come to the flame and it uh it, it was important for me to really do my best to protect myself over the years but it's now time it's just time to disclose and be transparent about everything Right, right, and you're right. It it is time, and and I think people are ready now. They weren't ready 18 years ago. Um, no, they but, were not. You know, I mean, uh, if you were listening at the beginning of the show, I mean, it is. There are so many star seeds that it's almost like there's a homing signal, and and they find their way to our website. And every time someone on on YouTube recommends us. You know, there's and, and our, so our community is just growing by leaps and bounds, and so and there, yeah, I mean it's it's a wonderful evidence that yes, you know, the, the starseed um, evolution um, movement, uh, it's it's all over the planet, it's global. Yeah, you and I'm so excited about it, and I've been witnessing that too at, at some of the Star Quest. Um, and I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind if I read again, uh, because at the beginning of the show you read it, but I'm not sure if you've got new listeners on, you know, since we're now an hour into the show, if I could uh, read the introduction or you could read it again. I think it's important. Um, they're just, my guys are just telling me it's important to repeat that message. Okay. Well, you go ahead and, and say it. I did try to post that, but it was too long for the the little bit of space that they give us. So go ahead and and do it again. Okay. The world's largest crystals in the planetary crystal grid. For years now, after the completion of the harmonic convergence of August 17, 2012, a 25-year cycle, there have been several upgrades from activations to the planetary crystal grid. Part of these upgrades can be felt from the acceleration of time and timeline shifts experienced by many star seeds. It's all about crystals that hold and transmit cosmic downloads and uploads from Earth to every living form on the planet. Leela Hutchison is one of the very first explorers to enter the mysterious giant selenite crystal caves in Nica Chihuahua, Mexico in January 2001, and these crystals are the largest ever discovered on Earth and were only found in April of 2000. 
They are made from gypsum, not quartz. Yet these two work together for transmitting, amplifying, and grounding information. For 18 years, Leela's research has been about a mysterious connection between Gaia's inner earth crystals and a galactic message to star seeds awakening on earth. This message, she believes, is the central mission for star seeds who have returned to earth. And this mission is about completing what was started eons ago on a very personal earth journey. This mission is the continuing evolution of the human species, evolving into galactic humans through the assistance of our starseed families. We are never alone, and they are always here watching over us. These giant selenite crystals have now been featured in two documentaries on Nat Geo. And, that's and your website, again, mm. is oh, thecrystalgiants.com. The, the crystal and so, they can find um, the book on Amazon. Okay, yeah, I did put that link up for people. Um, if okay. anyone has a question or comment for Leela, if you're already on the switchboard, you'll need to press 1 so we know you have a question. And if you're listening on the computer, then you need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. And uh, we'll, we'll take a few minutes here and, and uh, see if anyone has any questions. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, um, has your work been almost exclusively with different forms of crystals? I would say my work exclusively has been uh, with selenite crystals. Yet, you know, as a healer, I've worked with various other crystals, um, you know, doing energy work uh, with the crystal layout on the body and earth grids. I have um, a new project where there's a massive... um, actually a massive um, uh, medicine wheel being created right now that I've been asked to uh, find the centerpiece for this particular medicine wheel. So that's going to entail, um, if you can imagine, a giant piece as large as we can find of selenite crystal. And imagine, Ariel, that it's just like perpetuating white light. So to clear the energies in the area, and especially before this um, conjunction of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn that's happening on January 11th, 2020, which is uh, a, a pretty big deal. If we haven't seen this, I think, in about 2,600 years, I believe, this particular constellation, the way this configuration is, it has not been repeated for 2,600 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's my work with crystals. It's just, you know, either earth grids, people wanting to clear the land, consultation on that. And also, you know, my healing work is um, uh, because selenite really represents the emotional body. It's water. It's, you know, it's made from water. So it's really good to clear uh, the emotional issues for healing and I certainly have it all around and um, have sold many, many pieces for people to work with, again, with meditation as well. So that's my work exclusively is with with Crystal on that level for sure. Hmm. Wow, that's great. Well, we have a caller um, ready to go. 
So um, you are going to be talking to Maury. And let me get the mic open here. Hi, Maury. Thanks for calling. You are on the air with Leela. Go ahead with your question. Hi. Thank you for taking your time and for having um, such a um, – gosh, it just that sh- your show just called me in. I was listening online and um, just so, so – it's food for the soul, for lack of a better vernacular. Oh, um, thanks, Maury. Maury, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome by all means. Uh, the gratitude is mine. I'm very, very humbled. I wanted to know, there is um, so many hidden caves and mountains and crystals and rocks in the Vatican. And while I know it's a country in itself, or at least a, a protected area, do we know if there's any connection to to what was witnessed, what, what's been discovered in 2000 and with the Vatican? Oh, interesting. Well, um, you know, um, what is that? I think it was um, Michelangelo, I mean, Da Vinci, who did that last painting of the, mm-hmm. um, do you remember, of Christ, and he's holding the crystal ball? Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. Really phenomenal, right? It's got that. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's probably so much hidden and being cloistered away, hoarded away on information about the energy and the data inside crystals. And I can, you know, when we want to add, when you talk about the Vatican, you know, we really are talking about a level of spirituality and religious uh, programming and connection. And, And not just programming, but just the connection i know that when um i think ariel went to uh, uh when they went to france and they went to uh, the rin la chateau that in the caves below rin la chateau they found that the walls were covered in selenite crystals right? and apparently yeah. that is a place also where mary magdalene had um had visited this area as well. So who knows? I mean, that's a really good question. I, I, I really, I don't know what the Vatican may know and hold about the consciousness of selenite crystals. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where you and me can feel that something is there, but we can't actually put a thumb or um, I bet you if I concentrated long enough for a few months, I could have a dream about it and get more information. I bet you could, too. <laughs> I bet you could, too. You know, interesting, a couple of years ago, as I was tracking information, I had gone to this fabulous mineral show. And I don't know if you've been to mineral shows, but the collectors are they're really crazy. I mean, they'll pay... Um, they'll pay for something handheld fifty thousand dollars for a specimen of a of a, a rare crystal or a mineral. And I was looking at this man's case, and inside there was a piece, a palm-sized piece of selenite with sulfur, which are cubed-like. The crystallography of sulfur is cube-like crystals that were sitting embedded in the selenite crystal. So there's this gorgeous greenish-yellow sulfur crystal on top of this 
beautiful, lustrous, pearly crystal of selenite. And I looked closer, and it was from Palermo, Italy. That's where my grandmother was born. So because in, in, in Italy and like Greece and and other places around the Mediterranean in Spain, we have we have a um, and a climate that's arid enough that there's a massive amount of selenite crystals in the area. After all, selenite was named after the moon goddess Selene from Greece. It's because they found it shimmering in the moonlight at night and picked it up and didn't know what the stone was, and so they called that stone selenite. Wow. That's just crazy because the people I was listening to earlier on this show and the Southwest, as in Texas, New Mexico, Tontea, Chihuahua, Mexico, and all of the places that you were describing have an influx or they were first populated by the Spaniards along the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And it's just everything comes full circle. Everything is oh, related yeah. into one yeah. itself, talking about Spanish, talking about Italians, talking about the Mediterranean. I mean, it's just crazy how everything is 100% full circle. I'm from the area. I'm from El Paso that you were talking about. You I are. am. <laughs> yes, I am. Indeed, I am. You said Fort Bliss, and my wow. ears like a little, like a little, like a shepherd dog. My ears just piped up. Fort Bliss. Hey, wait a minute. Now she's talking back home. So I know all of these areas <laughs> that you were talking about, and then how they can relate back to Europe, where yours and my roots are obviously from. And um, I'm going to North Africa, um, probably this is August, probably in September, I'm going to be heading up to North Africa. And, you know, in my awakening process that I'm no longer fighting anymore. Um, oh, yeah. I am feeling now more vibrations through the ground, through rocks, and my dreams mm-hmm. are just off the chain. Um, I wake up because I've been so many places overnight. I wake up exhausted. I need to take a nap. I just woke up and God only knows where I went. But <laughs> I, I was, totally agree. <laughs> hey, Maureen, do you know that I'm from El Paso? No. Uh oh. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Born and born and raised there. Absolutely. It's a right. It's a right for passage, my friend. Wow, yes, yes. I'm from Coronado High School, west side of town, El Paso. I, I went to Eastwood <laughs> on the east side of town. <laughs> okay, I'm by Santa Teresa, the crossroads, North Mesa. Um, I know where you're Santa Teresa. My sister lived in Santa Teresa. <laughs> I, I wasn't in Santa yeah. Teresa. Now, not about all that, but that that's pretty close, maybe about... Uh, three or four miles from where I'm from. It's a small world. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's yeah. so great. I'm so excited that you called in. Um, you got my, you know, I hope that you write me and uh, send me an email that so we can stay connected. Yeah. Could you do that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh my word. 
this is just amazing. Um, I, I love everyone's what you guys are talking about, the subject bases. Um, my father, also third generation El Paso, used God rest his soul, used to talk about the rocks, of, the, the mountains, the formations, all of this stuff. And we're talking going back 30, 40 years ago. Of course, everyone thought he was crazy. Well, you think about uh, UTEP was the College of Mines, right? That's what it was right, about. Yeah. It was about mining. Geology. That's where I learned to law, fall in love with uh, rocks. Was it right there at McKelligan's Canyon in El Paso? It, that's where yeah. the whole journey started as a little girl, right there. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah. McKell- yes, it's all about the rocks. And, you know, it's hey, yeah, I want to say something else. Have you obviously you've journeyed over to White Sands um, National Monument, right? Indeed. Uh huh. Okay, so you know that is 270 square miles, 75 square miles of selenite crystal, ever oh expanding. If you want to get an upgrade and a download, if you want to get an upgrade in your frequency, go out there uh-huh. soon before you go to North Africa. Wow. Well, I, I was feeling it when I lived in Albuquerque, and I used to try to jump over to Santa Fe as much and as often as I could. Wow. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. And you just have to basically walk uh, on the the uh, on the white sand. White sand, yeah. Try to, try to get there uh, before they close. Because the, the air, you'll look, and if you'll look to the south, you'll see the Guadalupe Mountains. I mean, and that whole area, as you know, it's all contact. It's for the Roswell crash. You know how it, 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 it it's it's in this area, not White Sands, of course. It was Roswell, but it's this whole area and all this experimentation and alien contact. I mean, it's all right there. Wow. That really boosts my spirit. That's just phenomenal. Uh, wow. Wow. So so no matter what people said, we were special. El Paso was special. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you called in, Maury, and um, do um, send Leela an email. Did you get her email address when she announced it? What I was going to do is listen to blog talk, um, play the whole show all over again and catch it. But I'll take it if you've got it handy. Sure. It's Leela's Gems, L-E-E-L-A-S, Gems, G-E-M-S, at Yahoo. Is that right, Leela? Yes. Uh, Yahoo.com. Okay. Will do. Okay. You can stay connected. And thanks so much for calling in. Thank Appreciate you, Maury. It, it was great to talk to you. Thank you. That's a lot. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye, sweetie. Okay. Bye. Okay. Wow, that well, was we amazing. Have, yeah, <laughs> right from your own backyard. Um, we have mm. one more caller with a question, and um, this will be the, the last uh, question that we'll take tonight. So uh, you will be talking to John, and let me get your mic open. Okay, John, you're on the air with Leela. Go ahead with your question. Hi, Hi John. Or your comment. Uh-huh. Uh, very glad I turned, listened to your program tonight. 
Uh, one thing I did find out while you were talking was a connection to the Mediterranean. I years ago come across a trick connection between the Crete people and the people of the Southwest in, in the form of their basketry. And we wondered, we're Native Americans, and we wondered how that happened. And wow. the, the ambassador of the uh, Crete people uh, they said, interesting, isn't it? And we said, yeah, we'd like to find out what that is. So here's your connection uh, with the crystals. And the crystal connection, I'm finding out uh, from what I've heard from you, work, is that it's, uh, well, I've known this for a long time, it's a coming energy source for the Earth, the same as it was for the Atlanteans. Because I had a person mm. years ago come to me uh, who were designers, you know, with a, uh, like a engineer, but a little less. But we had better parameters to work with. And he was going somewhere to Europe to study crystals. And he needed information from me. I said, gee, you're a uh, quantified engineer worked at uh, City Three Mile Island. Uh, what do you need from me? I'm just a little guy. I don't know nothing. So what I told him he, was what he needed. So this is why I'm talking with you. I don't know uh, what you're doing, but I do it. Mm. I do know that there's things that you're coming up with. And when you mentioned the 26,000-year time cycle, I said that's the time cycle that it takes the Earth to move one circle, one cycle around the Milky Way. So mm-hmm. put, put all of that mm-hmm. stuff together and work with it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I gave some of the information to the uh, person that I spoke to first that do not cut, cut yourself off from other people and never go off alone and never put yourself where other people can put their hands on you and take charge of you. Always remain your own person. You're on the right track. You're on the right Mm. trail. Hmm. Thank you, John. I have something I want to share with you. Um, I was, uh, because I wanted to find the origins of my bloodline, my family on my mother's side in Italy, Mm-hmm. Last year in June, I traveled to Crete for a week. I went to Nassos, Crete, outside of Heraklion, and I combed the entire palace. Uh, it was of the Minoan culture, and the king was King Minos, Minos. And um, when I went to look and found where his throne was, it was made from selenite crystal. Oh my goodness! Whoa! I I couldn't believe it, Ariel. Couldn't oh. believe it. It was it was um, you know it was satin spar. It wasn't pure. It wasn't the window selenite that I you know I work with. Um, but it was it was Grecian. It, it was selenite. 
I couldn't believe it. You, I could see it. I, in it, and there were foundations, and there were other things at this palace of Knossos of King Minos, which, by the way, is one of the oldest. I mean, that that palace there at, at Knossos is over seven thousand years old, and he mm-hmm. sat on a throne of selenite crystal. They cut it mm-hmm. out of the bedrock. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah, it is amazing. I was my jaw dropped. I should. I mean, I have some pictures of that, but there's just so much research I've done and so little time. And I mean, it's all in my head. I definitely have a lot of information. But I really appreciate that you're telling us that the people of Crete were connected to the indigenous nations here in the Southwest. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. Wow. Well, the world so gets smaller all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that is fascinating. And, John, thank you so much for calling and, and sharing this with us. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you, for, thank you for what you've been doing and continuing oh. the path because you're on the right path. So. So what is going to be coming down the pipe in the next hundred years? Thank you. I'll do my best. Yeah. Okay, John, thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. And thank, you. And thank you for carrying on everything. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Well, um, that is the show for tonight. And, Leela, it's just been a pleasure. You're like family, and we're so happy that you were able to be with us tonight. And um, Thank you, Ariel. looking forward to, you know, the, the next the next chapter. Um, yeah, and taking thank everything, you so much. Yeah, everything that you've gotten, <clears throat> everything that you've learned and been and done, um, I know you're going to do something really, really big with it. So <laughs> we'll see you in November. Yes, and much love to you, Ariel, Tammy, and and Lavendar. I so appreciate everything you're doing on the planet for the star seeds. It's a privilege, and we get to meet people like you, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so thanks so much for being with us tonight and uh, sharing your time. You're welcome. With star seeds, I know that that is all you are all about. Star seeds and empowerment. Mm-hmm. And that is a wonderful thing. So once again, um, Leela's website is thecrystalgiants.com. And her book is on Amazon, uh, Journey into the Giant Selenite Caves of Mexico. And um, if, you have, if you have any further questions, you can contact Leela at leelasgems at yahoo.com. So uh, we will be back uh, three weeks from tonight. August 27th is our next show after we get back from Arkansas. So until we are together again, make sure you find compassion and gratitude in every day. Good night, everyone. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.